Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining me. My name is Jeremy. This is the Critical Transit Podcast, and I wanted to talk today about a common question that I get uh, regarding accommodations on the road. Um, how do you travel? Where do you stay? This is a very common question, and there are a number of different ways to do it, so I thought I'd take a shot at going through, and, uh, and we'll see. First, I want to say that I'm in Portland, Oregon. I have been here for about uh, about eight months now, and I'm saving up money and working and uh, enjoying the sedentary life, although I'm getting ready to go back on the road, uh, hopefully this summer, summer of 2019, which is about four months away now, so I'm uh, planning that. But, uh, but this episode will be about content that will be relevant for a long time. Um, so when we talk about where to stay. Um, first, I want to talk about what is a sustainable travel lifestyle, a nomadic lifestyle. There's a big, big misconception that a lot of people have, and a lot of people think uh, traveling. You know, when I when I say, oh, I you know I work three you know three to nine months, and then I travel in between, and most people say, oh, travel. You know, I love to travel. And what most people think of is uh, hotels. Uh, restaurants, museums, guided tours, buying souvenirs, uh, maybe even going on a cruise, uh, staying at resorts, um, basically things that are spending a lot of money and that may be suitable for people who have a week or two vacation. And, you know, you work all year, you work 50 weeks a year, you work hard, you make a bunch of money, and you, uh, you know, this is something you want to do, uh, you know, on vacation. You want to uh, be relaxed. You, you're seeking comfort, but there's there's very little cultural exchange, and it's very expensive, and so there's a there's, there's a reason that that's not really what the nomadic life is. Uh, the reality is very different. Uh, I also want to mention real quick the uh, seasonal or one-time traveler. This is very common. Uh, people who take a gap year. That's a common thing in Europe and Australia, where people get a year off. Uh, after high school, usually before college, or or sometimes after college and uh, before you know work or graduate school or whatever, and they'll get. Or sometimes there's there's other things in, in America. We have like the Peace Corps, which has some components of this, um, or, or something that is totally different. Sorry, it's totally different, um, which I'll discuss a little bit later. Um, but the the gap year, you know, a lot of people, the typical backpacker will. Uh, be traveling, trying to see multiple places. They're always moving. They're staying one to three nights in a particular place, and and they're hitting the road again. So they're looking for um, social interaction because they're typically younger travelers, and they'll be uh, looking for places that they're, they're trying to save money. But uh, but they're also you know they they have a budget for their trip, and they're also you know, this is their one time thing, and so they're they're it's very different than a sustainable travel lifestyle. So there are different types of travel lifestyle. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the digital nomad. This is the kind of person you hear idealized in travel blogs when people talk about, oh, I'm going to work online and you know I'll start a business or I'll you know do whatever whatever it is that's uh, you know called location independent, so that you can work on the road and your um, it doesn't have to be starting a business necessarily. It could be um, working for an employer and just you know you're doing computer work, so you don't need to be in an office. Or you know there's there's other things you can do that are you know through a computer and that you can do from anywhere. But um, that that'll be a, a topic for another time. But that that kind of person is typically looking to uh, stay in a place longer because they want stability. They have to be working. Uh, you know, you're on the computer all the time. So you see these pictures of uh, somebody sitting on the beach with a laptop. Uh, first of all, uh, laptops don't like sand very much, and uh, there's not good internet on beaches. It's not really the thing that people do. Um, maybe they do it for one day just for shits and giggles, but it's not a. It's not really a thing. Generally, you need places with really good internet. So if you're even working at coffee shops, can be not good because of the internet issue. And so digital nomads will seek out places that are, are sort of well-known as, as, uh, as, as hubs, like uh, Medellin, Colombia is one, and uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand. These are some places that you'll hear, um, as well as others too, that have really good internet, uh, and they have established co-working spaces where people 
work with other, you know, you can essentially rent a desk or a room, uh, you know, and, and there's, it's a social atmosphere. So people can, um, you know, so you, you mingle with other business owners and, and people who are working digital nomads. So you can have, you have some kind of community and you also can pass ideas and it's a good thing, even if you're doing that in a fixed location, you know, to have an, instead of like trying to sit in your bed and work, it's not super productive and neither is working at the coffee shop. And again, internet. Um, so these people typically look uh, longer stays. They, because they're working, they're not able to be traveling all the time. You know, they're not the backpackers. They're not, they're not running out, you know, spending, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, you know, going, seeing the sites, you know, walking around, taking, taking buses, you know, biking, whatever. They're spending a lot of time and it could be anywhere from a few hours to, you know, maybe all day. Uh, they're, they're working. And so that's, that's a, something that has to be thought of and planned and accommodated in their, in their trip planning, because, you know, if you're staying in a hostel where there's a lot of noise and commotion and, you know, you have to do a, a teleconference meeting with some clients, it just doesn't look very good and it's not going to work very well. So that's an important component. Um, so, and I'll talk about the different places, you know, in a minute and we'll see how that fits in. Um, there's people who uh, are location-based uh, and they, they work, essentially they work different jobs on the way. So you've probably heard of people that will go to China or South Korea or somewhere else to teach English. Um, they, people might go somewhere to volunteer and often volunteering will come with housing as I'll talk about in a, in a little bit. So, you know, that's what makes that more of a job. Um, and there's, there's other jobs too. I mean, you can get a job washing dishes. You can do all kinds of things. Um, and if you have certain skills back home, then they may be uh, valid in, in the, the other country. Um, one thing to keep in mind is visas. And often that presents a barrier. I'm not going to go through that now. I don't really know a whole lot about that. But a lot of times a visa, a tourist visa won't allow you to work. And so, you know, there might be some like little jobs you can get for cash on the side kind of stuff, but it's, uh, but generally that's going to be very limiting. And so, but you know, if you figure that stuff out or if you're traveling your own home country, like if you're in the United States, you can travel in the United States and it's a big country and there's a lot of places you can work that are, that are different. Um, or a place like, uh, like the European union where you can travel through that 26 country zone where you don't need, where you can, you know, you can move and live and work in different countries and it's totally fine. So if you have something like that, and other countries have agreements with other countries, and and so you know that that could be a thing to look into. Um, the that's that's sort of what I do. Um, I mean that's that well that's uh, yeah I don't want to that's that's pretty much what I do, um, because I don't want to be sitting at a computer all day. I'm just not. I don't want to sit at a computer all day. I don't have the discipline to you know you know start a business or and I don't have the desire to you know, put all the effort in and all the free work that has to go in and then, you know, constantly be begging for clients. And it's just, it's hard work. It's not, it's not easy. And I've been thinking about different things that I could do in that way, but it's so far, I haven't come up with anything that's actually motivates me enough to want to do it. Um, when you're, when you're doing this kind of thing where you're working in a particular location, you are going to stay longer, obviously, because you're, um, you know, you need to have a, a job. And, you know, if, you, if you're willing to do anything, if you're willing to, you know, wash dishes or wait tables or whatever, then you can get a job pretty much anywhere. But it's not going to pay that well, and it's going to be kind of taxing. And it's all about how you want to structure your, your setup. Um, a lot of people, most people who do this kind of stuff, and this is what I try to do, is to get contract work. To say, to go somewhere for the summer, right? And say, this is their busy season. And... Uh, or maybe the winter, the ski resort, for example. And this is their busy season, and you know we need you from this date to this date. And uh, you know they don't—they're not interested that you've been moving around a lot. They don't care. They're not looking for somebody who's staying forever. Um, they want somebody who can do a good job. And you have this contract, and therefore you know how long you're going to be there. Um, and it gives you some comfort. You can get yourself an apartment, and you can plan around that. Um, there's a, but obviously it has limits because you're you're in a fixed location and you can do day trips and weekend trips but you're not going to be able to 
every time I try to do something more than a few days, I run into like, oh, well, okay, it's just, I'm not gonna be able to get back in time for work, or this bus is not gonna work here. And that kind of stuff is, is challenging. So there, there are certainly big limits to that. Um, but you can also, uh, you can potentially get free or cheap housing out of this. So that's, that's an option too. Um, some people work as, uh, and they travel as an employee. So if you think of somebody who's working on a cruise ship or working as a flight attendant or a truck driver, uh, something like that where they're where they're constantly on the road or in the air or the water and uh, you know that's and you make money that way you can potentially see different places especially if you're working on a cruise ship you may be able to see like when it goes up into Alaska you may see pieces of Alaska for example but you're you're working and it's usually a full-time thing because if they're gonna take you on board they want they expect a good bit of work and you're going to have very little time for actual touring. You're not really going to get out and see the places. You know, like say if you're a if you're a flight attendant, you're uh, you, you might you know get to stay over in a in a particular city, but you're they're pretty much just putting putting you in a hotel and they expect you back in the next morning. It's not like you're really going to get a lot of time to see the place. And same thing if you're a truck driver, you have to uh, you have to get those products to where they're going, and you have to do a lot of driving, and you can't just park the thing anywhere because it's big and awkward. So, you know, these something to think about. There are very few travel jobs that actually allow you to really see the world and, and immerse yourself in the cultures. Um, one thing that what I do is, um, well, there's a couple things that I do. Um, I want to talk about uh, bike touring. Um, this is where you uh, travel with your tent, usually. Um, you're always on the move. You can cook, and you're generally self-contained. And this is great because it gives you the ultimate flexibility. You really can see the country. You can choose your route. You can, um, you know, you're out there, you and your bike. You can go wherever you want. Um, but there's uh, there's challenges. Oh, and the other thing, the other big, uh, big benefit of this is that if you're sleeping in a tent, then your costs are going to be very low. You're basically just buying food, and occasionally you have to pay for camping, and uh, occasionally you might need like more fuel for your stove or something like that. But like, or like little piece breaks, and you need to. You know, get a new, you know, chain or whatever. But generally, you're uh, you're going to take care of that beforehand, and you're generally going to be uh, you know, pretty cheap. So you can you can bike tour in America for uh, twenty dollars a day, or you know, I've heard of people doing even less if you want. Usually, when I bike tour in America, I, I go somewhere between twenty and thirty dollars a day, depending on uh, how much I, I eat at cafes um, or how you know the quality of the food that I that I get. Um, the challenge with bike touring is that it's uh, it's hard to stay in cities because you're um, well you have your tent um, you can get, certainly get a hotel or a motel but uh, that makes it expensive and then obviously you have this bike that uh, you have to worry about if you show up in a hostel to hit with the bike you know there's not always a place for you to put it inside so that's the challenge and then um, it's very hard to make plans or to to do any work because you're on the road. I mean, you're traveling from city to city. You don't have good internet, and so it's it's hard to work. And you also make plans. You know, you're under your own power, so you might uh, you might not make it as far as you thought, or you might make better time. Or it's, it's really hard to to plan things out, and that's why a lot of the uh, the campgrounds have hiker biker sites that are specially designed for uh, on demand, no reservation. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then there's the, the uh, I guess the seasonal nomad is kind of a hybrid of a couple of the of the uh, location-based. Um, this, this is exactly what I do actually. It's uh, I work for a while and then I travel. Uh, when I so when I work, I'm location-based and I do very little regional travel. I do occasional side trips, but for the most part, I'm working and focusing on saving money. And then when I travel, I'm more uh, I'm more uh, I'm not I'm not you know the typical backpacker but I'm I'm much less restricted because I don't have because I have a budget a set budget that I've or, or you know somewhere I've worked out an amount of money that I'm willing to spend for this trip and I, I have an idea of how that's going to work and and then I can go and I can do it and I don't have to worry about being on call for work or you know if I have a client that needs something or whatever I don't I don't have that um, and I can be flexible too if I wanted to do uh these different types of free housing I, I could, but I, I don't generally, and I'll explain why in a little bit. The problem with seasonal work is that uh, location-based work is, is, as I said before, it's uh, generally low-paying, and uh, it can be hard to get 
decent work that you know that pays decently um, you know my particular work that I do I drive tour buses and it pays decently um, about $18 an hour here in Portland Oregon which is decent it's not great um, but I get some benefits out of it in the US you get I get health insurance which in the US is a is a kind of a rarity and uh, you know it's it's very hard so to get something that that pays really well like employers you know tend not to hire seasonal people because they want somebody who's been there a long time and you know you're not going to get you're not going to get raises periodically and it's just that there aren't it's hard to find jobs to begin with and then you're not going to have a competitive edge when you're applying for something that's hard to get um, unless you have a really specific skill i've heard of uh, nurses who travel and who are apparently always in demand so if you that's my tip and that's what I do is like find something that's always in demand and so bus driving you know they're always desperately needing drivers and so I can show up in a place and generally some companies don't want to hire me because they're like oh you know you're not gonna stick around that long and that's fine but most companies will be happy to to take me on because they even if I don't stay that long well that's if I, if I stay for six months then well that's six months that they we're, we're short one less person so they're they're happy to do that um, but one of the reasons that they're desperate for people is because they don't pay that well and that's you know that's kind of the reality of this of the that approach to travel all right so I'm gonna talk now about some different places where you would stay um, there is paid accommodation and there's also free accommodation and they have their pros and cons so uh, we'll get into that and then I'll talk about what to do if something goes wrong. So first there's hostels. And if you're not familiar with hostels, these are basically shared lodging setups. So it could be a house or, or a big building in big cities where um, it's this is designed for, for social budget travelers. So think of a dorm room. Um, there might be anywhere from four to 15 beds in a room. And often it's male and female, sometimes mixed, sometimes a combination of both. And uh, sometimes they even have private rooms as well that you can pay a little more for. Um, but a hostel, um, just to give you an idea, you know, in America, in a, in a large American city, a hostel will go anywhere from like $25 to $45 per night for a, for a dorm room. And uh, a private room can be, can be a bit more. Um, the costs, are, of course, vary wildly uh, along with the quality of the hostel and the, the uh, different uh, environment that they have. Um, hostels are available in most cities, uh, many large towns, and there's even some rural ones too. Like on the coast of California, there's a couple of rural ones. And um, hostels are cool because it's an opportunity to socialize. So when you're traveling, especially when you're traveling solo like me, you know, you can, you can get lonely sometimes. You want that social interaction. It's nice to meet people um, and talk to other travelers, hear about where they're going. I think if you're into travel, you'll, you'll understand why that's, why that's beneficial. Um, there's events a lot of times so a lot of times they'll the hostel will organize a group you know group tour of some place and uh, even if you're not interested in that place it's nice to go along and, and to you know talk to some other people do something a little social and uh, if you're into the bar thing they they always have people going to bars and restaurants and that kind of stuff um, I generally don't do that stuff I generally don't think it's good value for money but sometimes I will go along um, hostels have a kitchen which is really wonderful if you're trying to save money and eat healthy because you can, well, obviously, you can cook your food. Um, they usually have pots and everything, so you can. And the kitchen will vary considerably from hostel to hostel, so make sure you check the pictures and the reviews to make sure that, uh, you know, that it is, that they actually have a stove and a fridge and that sort of stuff. Um, sometimes hostels will skimp on the kitchen to try to save money. And um, they, they're generally inexpensive, as I mentioned, um, which is good and bad. Um, sometimes what happens is, you because they're inexpensive they can cater to a type of traveler who just wants the cheapest place to rest uh, or young people who want to get out and party and make, be coming back at two o'clock in the morning and turn on the lights and making noise because they're drunk so they don't realize how loud they are and etc so that can be a that can be a challenge with hostels and you, you want to check the reviews online to try to get a sense uh, usually you can kind of figure out like is this place um, is this going to be a place where I'm going to get decent sleep or is there going to be a lot of socializing and partying 
And uh, you know, maybe you want that. That's that's all up to you. So that's but that's something to to check out. You know, make sure they have good reviews, good ratings online. Um, don't go for a hostel with sleep, with bad ratings, um, super low cost, that kind of stuff. Because you know, you never know. They can be dirt. It can be really dirty, and it's just like maybe you have super thin walls, really crappy beds. You wake up, your back hurts. It's not good. So don't do that. Um, but hostels, yeah. So hostels can be generally wonderful for the traveler. Uh, they certainly certainly come with a big downsides. If you find a hostel that's located in a rural place or a small town, it's much less likely to be a party hostel because the type of people who are coming in are not, you know, for some reason hostels attract like a group of, I want to say largely Europeans, but people come from all over that just, they just want to go out and party and do clubs and stuff. And whatever reason, they seem to, a lot of the, especially the cheaper hostels seem to attract that. And uh, even though they'll go to spend tons of money on uh, alcohol, they, they want a cheap hostel. So I, I don't, uh, I try not to stay in those places. There's also um, hotels on the, the, at the far end, the other far end uh, is uh, hotels. And this is what most people think about when they think about traveling. Um, but these are, hotels are expensive and they're, it's unusual for uh, a nomad uh, or somebody with a travel lifestyle to stay in a hotel except as... Uh, a reward. So, like, if you finished, if you just finished a bike tour of a thousand miles, and uh, you know you want to stay in a hotel and you know maybe get a shower, maybe they have a they have a hot tub you want to go in. You're like, okay, that's a, this is an exception. Like, you know, fine, that that makes sense. Um, or as a you know in an emergency, uh, unusual circumstance. So, um, you know, if you have an unexpected stop, so say you missed your bus connection, and uh, you know maybe it's the only option around. You're in a big city, and there's you know, you don't want to be competing. I don't like to compete with homeless people for space. Um, that's just not something I want to do. Um, I don't want to be showing up as, you know, with my $1,000 worth of equipment and, um, you know, my bicycle and all the gear and everything. I don't want to be showing up and, you know, competing with homeless people. It just makes me feel like a jerk. So, uh, and then, of course, there's a risk of theft as well, which is a lesser thing that I'm, I would worry about. But um, I generally don't want, to, don't want to camp. Well, I'll talk about camping in a minute. But generally, I don't want to do that in the cities. Um, and uh, also, um, you know, maybe there's other things you could stay in a hotel if you have a, if you have a work issue. If, if you know, you get a call from your from your boss or a client or somebody that, that uh, you know, if, if you, you find out, it's like, oh, I'm going to make there's this, there's this project that, oh, this thing needs to be done by the end of the week. And maybe, you know, you're going to make $10,000 on it. And you're like, okay. I mean, that's a crazy example here. But like, you know, something like that, you might think, okay, I need a hotel, I need a good internet, and I need a quiet space and, and uh, where I can get rest and and be productive, then maybe that's justified. Um, and again, internet. Um, usually I get internet in libraries and uh, cafes, and, but sometimes, you know, you get there late, and there could be there could be various reasons why the hotel is really the only place where you're going to do that, and if you need to catch up with family or business or something, then that might be important. Um, if you, the, the big reason that I would stay in a hotel personally is if, uh, is if I get sick or if I have a problem with the weather. Um, now, I've had this when I was up in Utah. I was visiting, I was biking across Utah in spring of 2017 uh, with, a, with a friend. And I got to, you know, we started out, it was cold, and then it was really warm for a while. And then we climbed up again to uh, 9,600 feet, or about, sorry, about 9,000 feet uh, in elevation above sea level, uh, which is about a little, little less than 3,000 meters. And we, and it was, it got cold. Um, it it got down to I think that the low temperature that night was about 24 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about negative five degrees Celsius, and uh, I just you know I, I can camp in that weather it's fine my sleeping bag's okay but I just I don't really enjoy that that much and so I thought maybe and I wasn't feeling great I had kind of a tough day I had a I was a I had two problems with my bike that day and I was I was still struggling with them so I kind of. I kind of wanted to sleep on a mattress, and it was it was cold, and it was just crappy. Like normally, I wouldn't do that, but um, but I I did in that in that case. Um, and then um, the following night, for whatever reason, well, I think unrelated to the first night, but well, I know I know why it happened. Um, I was about a week in the middle of nowhere without fresh fruits and vegetables, eating a lot of oatmeal and rice and beans and Cliff bars, and uh, you know my body didn't like that very much. I normally eat very healthy, and so I. Uh, I got sick and wound up having to, uh, I think I got pretty sure I got the last hotel room in, in town and 
you know, when I say town, it's a very tourist area. It's a, it's a big national park. And so there, and there's literally two hotels there. And so I'm pretty sure I got the last one and called around and then, you know, had to give them my credit card number to, you know, to hold the room. And then I went right over there and, uh, you know, and just crashed. And uh, both times, because I was traveling with a partner, my partner hadn't budgeted for, uh, he's our friend, he had not budgeted for any of this. And he didn't want to spend money on uh, any kind of hotels. And the second night was really cold, too. It wasn't like it was, it wasn't like it was much warmer than the, than the first night, um, still well below freezing. And uh, so I told him, and both nights I told him, I said, listen, you know, I said, I got to do this. I said, this is, you know, what I have a, you know, what I, I prepare for this. And so, uh, you know, if you want to come and crash on the floor and give me a couple bucks, that's fine, whatever. I don't care. Um, but, you know, it's here. Like, you might as well use it. And uh, and so he did, and he paid me a little bit. I don't remember what, but um, but that was that was appreciated, and he didn't have to. Um, but that's, you know, I'll talk about this in a little bit, where I talk about having an emergency fund. Um and contingency, you know, to budget for these unexpected things because you never know what's going to happen. And if you get to a place and you're like, oh, I only have $100 in my bank account and, you know, the hotel is 70 and you're like, well, I don't know that I only want to go around with $30 left. You're going to be in a really, you're going to be really stressed out and you're not going to sleep well. You're just not going to, you're not going to function well. You're not going to have a good time. And that's, that's not what you want when you're, when you're on the road. So you got to plan for these things. Um, hotels. So, I don't think I need to say why hotels are good. I mean, they're comfortable. They, uh, you know, you can sleep. Generally, you sleep on a good mattress. Um, it's generally clean. Um, you can kind of rest and recharge. The, uh, the downside to hotels is they're, they have a very sterile feel. Um, they're lonely. You know, there's there's no socialization at all, which may be what you're looking for. But it, if you're bike touring by yourself or traveling by yourself, then you might want some socialization. Um, there's no kitchen, and that's be a challenge sometimes you can you kind of learn um generally if you're going to get a hotel you get to make sure they have a refrigerator and a microwave and you can there's a good number of things you can make in the microwave uh, you can make greens in the microwave you can, you can make rice in the microwave you know there's, there's different things you can you can make in a microwave that are reasonably healthy um, and things you can and then you can refrigerate stuff overnight so it's it's not so so you know you can you can do that but but uh, there's no stove, and um, you're not going to have counters and a cutting board and pots and all that other stuff that you'd find in a hostel. So that's that can be challenging, and, uh, and you can't usually use your camp stove inside. I know people have done it, but I don't recommend that. Um, as far oh, the hotels are also really busy. In uh, they can, they can be busy in the peak season, especially and sometimes always, but uh, especially if you're going to a place that is really busy in the summer. Um, how about I don't know Seattle? Um, Seattle always has a, you know, it's really challenging to get a hotel all the time. It's a very expensive city, but uh, especially in the summer, you're gonna have even even more of a, a hard time. Uh, in a lot of places, you can show up if you travel during the off season. You can just show up, and, and you want to do research ahead of time just to make sure that this is the case. But you can a lot of times you can just show up, and and get a room, which is great because. If you're traveling like I do, where I very rarely get hotel rooms, um, I might get a hotel room if it's like downpour, rain on me all day, and I want to dry out, uh, or if it's you know super cold, or if I'm sick or whatever. I wouldn't plan that ahead, and it'd be nice. To, it's nice to roll into a place and be able to get that. Um, so that's that can be a downside though, if you're going in the peak season. Um, although if you're going to peak season, air conditioning could be nice. So, uh, that might be a reason for you. I don't know. Um, there's also um, sites like Airbnb or uh, VRBO, um, vacation rentals by owner. These are these are basically sites that allow you to list your house or your apartment or backyard or whatever for somebody to rent on a nightly basis. So. The advantage of something like this is that there are often many amenities. So a lot of times there'll be a kitchen that you can use. Uh, you can, uh, you may have, there may be hosts around, so you might be something uh, more social, um, but there, there may not be. A lot of times there's not. So check, check about that. Um, you may get something that's private. Uh, a lot of times these are much cheaper than a traditional hotel, but they can be less reliable. Um, I've had more than a few uh, situations where they were not what they said they were and didn't match the pictures. Um, there's, you know, very, can be shady practices. 
Um, there are people who are running essentially a hostel in there, um, and they're doing this. They're not paying taxes, and they are, uh, you know, sort of, they're creating these, like, these sort of shared, these sort of little hostels in the middle of the neighborhood, um, and that's detrimental to the community, and, uh, yeah, they're not paying taxes, as I said, um, and you really have no recourse if something goes wrong. The... Uh, people, there are people that rent out their whole apartment. They're taking an apartment instead of renting it to people who live there and work, and uh, maybe poor people. They're uh, they realize they can make a lot more money renting it on a nightly basis to uh, to a traveler, and so you see whole neighborhoods get gentrified in this process. And um, and so I really would implore you to be a responsible traveler and try not to support that kind of stuff. You know, try to. I know it's tempting because it's cheap and it's, you know, it's got its, its pluses, but, you know, try to, at the very least, to vet um, what, you're, what you're supporting. If you're going to stay in uh, a, if you're going to stay in an Airbnb, like, make sure that it's a situation, either it's, maybe it's off-season, so somebody might, maybe people might be away and you're using their rooms, or it's like you're staying in a place where it's shared, so you're sleeping on somebody's couch or something. That, that's kind of how this, this started. You know, so you pay twenty bucks to sleep on somebody's couch, then it's you're, uh, you know, you're saving money and they're making a little money, and it's not like they would rent their couch out to some person who lives in the neighborhood. So, you know, you're not you're not harming anyone. You can also, if you actually want to live in a real neighborhood, you can rent a furnished apartment, and this is easier to do in the off season. A lot of times, you can go in and just rent an apartment for a you know a month or two. Especially if you're a digital nomad, this is a good good thing to do. Because then you you know you got your own place you got you know privacy you know um, well I mean it's nice to have a, a place and the reason I say furnished apartment is because obviously you don't want to go and try to buy a bed and all that other stuff you just you want something that's that's done for you this is very difficult in an expensive country like the United States it's very expensive in most you know cities to get something like that but if you're traveling like in a country where your currency goes very far like say you're United States citizen, you're traveling in Thailand, which is a pretty popular place to start traveling. And, you know, you're going to buy, a, you know, maybe you can get an apartment for 250 or $300 a month uh, that's fully furnished and it's really nice, got a good kitchen, and uh, and it's great, and you can live like a local, and that's that's a great thing. Um, guest houses. Some countries have, I think Cuba is one, where people can rent out their houses to travelers. And so you might you might meet people in the local small villages, and they could you know for five dollars or ten dollars or whatever you can stay in a, in a room in their house, and that's inexpensive. It's good cultural immersion. They might even make you food, and so that you know really get to experience what the local cuisine is, and uh, you know they, they they can be a good thing. But again, you have to be you have to be careful with this because you you know there's no there's no vetting, and you don't really know you know you have no assurance that that it's going to be safe, and so you have to. You have to be responsible and use good judgment when it comes to that. I don't know much about these, so I don't want to comment too much on them. Uh, what I do know a lot about is camping. And maybe this just serves a whole episode. Um, and there have been a lot of people that have talked a lot about camping, especially in bike touring communities. Um, state and national parks can be really good for this, where they have, they'll have they have uh, campsites, and you can go in and set up your tent. Um, if you are, are driving, then this is a good option, because especially if you're in a group, like multiple people. Because then you can, you know, you can carry all your camping gear and easily, and you can show up, and it's pretty cheap. Um, a lot of, well, not a lot. Some state parks have started doing what they call hiker biker sites. These are common in Oregon, Washington, and uh, some places in California, as far as I know. And I believe there are countries in Europe that have these as well. I think, uh, I think Norway, Sweden, Finland, maybe among them, where you there's a guaranteed site because when you're bike touring you don't know how far you're going to go or, or hiking you know you may have no communication you know you can't plan this stuff in advance and so you know you might you might feel good in the morning and then you're like oh i can only go a couple miles today or 20 miles today and you know so it's basically a guaranteed site uh it's it's a big site so it accommodates a lot of people and uh and this, this is usually space it's not like you're right on top of each other but uh you can go there and for seven or eight dollars in here in oregon you can set up your tent, and uh, and that's a great way to do it. When I when I rode my bike down the Oregon coast, that's what I did. I camped in uh, hiker biker sites almost exclusively because 
it's cheap, it's easy, they're, they're decently spaced, you know, there's a couple places where I wish they were a little closer, but generally they're pretty well spaced, and they're, uh, they're usually nice places, with the exception of that Sunset Bay, a pretty crappy site, but generally they're, they're nice places, and they're cheap, and you can you meet other bikers, because it's, you know, there's hikers and bikers there, I met a few, hit, uh, a few uh, thru-hikers, and that was cool, so um, that's a great thing to check in too. Um, and also, there's sometimes there's private campgrounds along the way, but they are usually catered to uh, RVs and car campers. And a lot of times, they want to charge you thirty or forty dollars for a little patch of gravel, and uh, surrounded by RVs and generators. And you know, most people uh, think that it's not worth that. And I, I would tend to agree. I would stay there in an emergency, but I stayed in a pinch in a place like that in uh, Arcata, California, because it's a city. It's hard to find a place to camp, and so. You know, I did that, but it was $20, and I definitely, and I was right next to the highway pretty much, and the lights were on all day. It was not great, but one night, whatever. Uh, big downside of camping is that they're rarely in cities. So it's great for bike touring because you're going through quieter areas, and you're going to be passing through these parks, and that's part of why you go bike touring is to see places like that. But when you're in the city, it's very, very hard to, and I mentioned above, very, very hard to camp in cities. And, you know, it can be done, and there's... Stuff to talk about, but I, I, it's it's not it's a whole other topic to talk about. Uh, try to trying to do that. It's a it's really difficult. Um, what can be done in a lot of places. Um, sometimes you can take a, a local city bus to uh, one of the parks, especially if they have a bike rack in the front. You can a lot of times you can take that to a, a nearby state park, uh, but not always. And that that may be an option, so it might be something to think about. If, if there is one nearby, um, then, then you could do that. And um, yeah, and what else? Oh, so okay. So let's talk about free. Let's talk about free hospitality, free, free accommodation. Um, I am far from an expert on this. I have done a good bit of it, but I think that the um, one of the authoritative resources on this would be uh, Nora Dunn's book, um, something something called Free Accommodation. But she is the professional hobo online. H-O-B-O, and you can look that. She wrote a whole book about how to get free accommodation, and, uh, and she's written a lot of blog posts about it as well, so uh, that's a good resource to check out. Uh, but I'll go through a couple here. Um, so camping, we just talked about paid camping. Well, a lot of times you can camp for free. Uh, a lot of times you can ask somebody, you know, if you're, if you're traveling by on your bicycle, you can ask uh, somebody if, like, hey, would you mind if I set up my tent here, uh, you know, for tonight? And uh, so a lot of times that'll work. Uh, sometimes they'll even offer you to come, hey, why don't you come inside? Or why don't you, you know, set it up in the garage where it's warm or something like that. And so that can often be appreciated. Sometimes they'll even make you a meal. You know, you can, get, you can get really unexpected and generous offers of hospitality, especially in countries that are well-known for hospitality, like Iran. Uh, you can, you know, I've, I've heard wonderful things about Iran in particular. I'm not really sure why Iran in particular, but uh, maybe that's just because people are surprised by it because they hear all the propaganda by the U.S. government that it's such a horrible place, which it's not. And so I wonder if that's something they do with it. But uh, I've never been there myself. Um, but there's you, you can also uh, wild camp, uh, also known as stealth camping. Um, that's S-T-E-A-L-T-H, uh, stealth. And for anybody who's not a familiar native English speaker, that's a like secret or like you don't want to be discovered basically and uh so the idea is you know you would kind of wait until just about dark and you'd, you know, you'd you want to get out of the way and you want to basically you can there's ways to do this there's, it's a lot that's been written about this online and you can you can often do that that's good if you're bike touring or if you're you know willing to, to hitchhike a little bit or if you you know get yourself out of a, out of a city and you can um but sometimes it can be done in the cities too you just have to be get good at it um, a lot of people know about Couchsurfing and Global Freeloaders. These are two websites where people can host travelers for free. Uh, Warm Showers is the cycle touring version of that, pretty much, um, though it's a little less formal. Um, these are sites where, yeah, like you said, you can you can host a traveler. Or you can sometimes, you know, if somebody can't host, maybe they can they can meet for coffee, which is still cool because you can get to know a traveler, uh, and maybe they give you tips on where to camp or something. Um, and they may have other things too, like maybe they'll let you use your use their laundry or their kitchen or something like that. So you can in the shower. Um, that's why it's called warm showers. It's like when you're biking, you know, for days on end, it's nice to get a shower. That's that's the idea there. Um, 
but these and so these are um, these are good places. Let me run through the list and I'll talk about the downsides in a minute. Um, house sitting is great. It, um, this is where you essentially watch somebody's house, right? So somebody's going away for a month or more, and they um, they would like somebody to watch their house to make sure that uh, you know that that everything's fine, that there's no you know it's the winter, nothing freezes, and um, you know, their, their plants are okay in their garden, you know, maybe, and just everything is generally kept up. It doesn't require a whole lot of work, um, but usually house-sitting will involve uh, pets, right? If somebody's going away, they can't take their dogs with them, and so you have to you walk the dogs a couple times a day and feed them, whatever, um, hang out with them, that kind of stuff. And so um, that's there's some work, but it's not a lot, and it's good for digital nomads, or somebody who wants to stay in a place for a longer duration because now you're all of a sudden now you've got a place for a month or more or less and you're not paying for it and you can just go and enjoy the city and you know you got to walk the dogs or whatever but you know you can you can go out and you can do stuff and um, it does require flexibility it's pretty rare that you're going to be like I want to travel to this place and then you're immediately going to find a house sitting gig um, the best way to approach it is to find uh, places the house sits that appeal to you and say, oh, you know, I think that would be a cool place to go and to go there. Uh, and you, it requires a lot of flexibility. So you're going to need, you may need to stay in hotels or something in between or, you know, figure something else out. But, um, but this is, that, that may be, that may wind up being worth it, a really good setup. Uh, there's a number of sites for house sitting. One is called trustedhousesitters.com. It's pretty expensive. And I was on there for a year. I got, uh, I got one house sit out of that, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really flexible in terms of willing to go places where I saw good house sits, um, and I was new, and you know, if it, I didn't have that many reviews, and so it was hard for it was hard for people to, to pick me up. But I may I may try that again at some point. Um, friends and networks. This is a big one that a lot of people don't think about. Um, ask around on social media. Ask your friends. You know, tell people where you're going or where you want to go, and find out. Or even just like ask. You know, if people, if anybody wants visitors. You know, I mean. Ask around, find out. You, you never know. If you have a large family, it could be the same thing. Um, it's it's hard to like you can't you can't go on Facebook and see a list of locations that people live in, um, and maybe that's a good thing for privacy, I guess. But it, you know, from the perspective of a traveler, it'd be nice to see like, oh, oh, so and so lives there. Oh, great. I, mean, I should I should see if they if they know anyone, and and uh, and they'll be like, oh, maybe you can come stay at my place or meet for coffee or whatever, you know, and they can show me around a little bit. Whatever it just opens up these connections. It's really, it's really a good thing, um, and sometimes even professional networks too. You may want, to, you know, in whatever industry you're in, you might, uh, you know, meet, know somebody that's you know, moved out to a different city, or whatever, or, know, or maybe came in for a meeting some at some point, and you might want to have a conversation about, you know, the particular industry in that area or something or anything else. Uh, family can be another uh, another good resource, although this is not ideal for most travelers because there are expectations. I'll talk about that more in a minute in terms of uh, couch surfing and such. But, um, you know, they, they may want to spend a lot of time with you because it's family and there's, you know, all that. But uh, it can be a good way to start if you have a good relationship with your family and uh, if you haven't really, maybe you haven't really traveled before, you're not super comfortable staying in, the, in people's homes and so you want to kind of ease into it. Like, this would be a good way to do that. Is if, like I said, if you have a good relationship with your family, you know, they'll, give you a good place to stay. They may even cook you food. They'll take care of you and they'll, uh, you know, and like I said, they may have, you know, react not poorly to you wanting to, to go out and, and do stuff. But, um, but it could be, you know, if they're, maybe if they're working, you can go out and you can explore the, the city and you can, and uh, nothing really is going to go wrong with that. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to meet somebody who turns out to be a, a crazy person if you know them. Um, that's the idea at least. Um, Work exchanges for another thing. It's not really free. It's, uh, you know, I don't know if people heard of Woofing, which is worldwide, or no, workers, uh, yeah, worldwide workers on organic farms. It's, uh, it's a network of basically you sign up to work on a, on a farm and you get free housing and food and sometimes a stipend. And there's others too that aren't, that aren't related to farming. I think HelpX is one. There's various, it's called a work exchange. And basically, yeah, the idea is, as it sounds, you know, you work for, free accommodation and, and food, and sometimes the stipend. You're not going to make much money on this, if anything. You might actually lose money because you may, you know, go into town, you're going to spend your own money and such, but, um, you know, and you may still have expenses like your phone and, and all that, but 
but the idea is that you you know you're going to minimize costs and you're going to get a cultural exchange that's that's the main thing and this could be anywhere from uh, you know a couple days to a couple months or more it's all in uh, you know what's what's agreeable to you and uh, you see how it goes um, seasonal jobs with free or inexpensive housing I've done this where you you get a job like in a, like in America in a ski resort for example this is a pretty common one where uh, ski resorts are very expensive places and there is not there's not really affordable housing in these places especially as uh, Airbnb like I mentioned earlier has um, taken over a lot you know a lot of people have I think it's like in the, the ski town that I was in I think like half of the places were rented on Airbnb now which means that um, these are places that might have been rentable for people who are working a full-time job and with a lot of overtime and now they're uh, you know they're off a tour so there's, so there's a real shortage of housing and so what companies or towns sometimes will do is they'll buy up buildings or build buildings and uh, rent them out to seasonal employees um, or even provide them for free depending on the context and obviously your salary is going to vary depending on that but uh, but this can be a good thing because you can if you have cheap housing you know I was making probably I don't know 2,000 a month maybe and I was paying like 700 in rent so I wasn't getting rich but I was saving some money and uh, you know because every time I get overtime I would uh, which I got a lot of is it's they're always having a hard time finding employees because of the housing so therefore you you wind up uh, working a lot and you can save up and you know that that situation is good for somebody who uh, likes to ski right because you know your employer if you if you work for the ski resort which I didn't I worked for the town but if you work for the ski resort you can get a free uh, ski pass and then you can go and uh, you know, snowboard or whatever and and that's that's why a lot of people do it actually a lot of younger people do it for that reason um, I was doing it to get a qualification uh, driving to, to learn how to drive buses and to, you know to get to get a different an additional qualification that I didn't have and so I got that as part of the as part of the deal and I was I agreed to work for the season which was uh, like eight months and uh, it worked out great for me um, so that's a good thing to do now I said I'd talk about the downsides of free accommodation and uh, what's wrong with free well nothing is free and so free is not always better um, you have there's an expectation that you contribute. So if you're staying with somebody on couch surfing, you gotta do something for them, right? You gotta that could be socialize, socialize. I mean, certainly they're gonna want you to socialize, um, but you know you may want to make them dinner. You might want to bring them, a, you know, a bottle of wine if that's the cultural thing. You know, whatever is culturally relevant, you, you got to do something, and you um, and you want to because you want to you want it to. It's the whole idea is that they, they do it for a reason. They don't just do it to, to just give you a free place to stay. For the most part, they're generally looking for you know, it's a cultural interaction. So you're going to want to spend some time with them, socializing, and you probably have less time for touring uh, or uh, or working if that's what you're, you're doing. Um, if you're going to be like a location independent, you got to communicate that ahead of time, and it's got to be a thing that's that they're okay with. It's because it's a challenge because you're working all the time, and they don't they don't uh, you know they think you're traveling, and you're like, oh, why is he always on his computer? And that's a that's a thing. Um, it's not great when you're working because, like I said, you have expectations and you're um, you're not going to be able to relax because it's generally you're not going to stay for more than a night or two, and so that kind of when I mentioned digital nomads need stability, and anybody working needs stability, you're moving around all the time is a challenge, and it's going to add a lot of stress, and it's not really going to be worth it. You're going to be much better off uh, paying for a place to stay. Because when you pay for a place to stay, even if it's an Airbnb in somebody's house, when you pay for a place, there's not the same expectations to do stuff and contribute because you're paying. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, you may um, have to work or stay in the house, right? So if you're house-sitting, you've got to take care of the, the kids, human or non-human. Um, I've heard of people doing like an au pair, is what they call it, I think, where you are... Uh, basically a like a child care provider um, I, I don't recommend that I mean I'm, I'm not I'm not into kids myself but I, I also don't recommend it because it seems exploitative you know to take care of to, to walk dogs twice a day and water a couple plants you get a free place to stay like that sounds like a fair deal right but when you're you know you're taking care of, of human children is a lot of work and that's 
you know, it, it seems like they should be paying for that. And so if you can get that where they're going to pay you to do that, then wonderful. Um, or if this is something like your passion is like meeting kids from different cultures and whatever, and it really has a lot of value to you, then I'm not going to tell you don't do it. But generally, uh, I think it's not, it's not a good value. I think a lot of people go into it with uh, unrealistic expectations and they never get to do anything or see anything and they feel stuck. Um, that's a, a problem. Um, specific time commitment usually you have to make um, because you you can um, you know so, so it can be they can be conflicting right so if you want to go from one house to another it can be a challenge um, same thing with with couch surfing or staying with family uh, work exchanges uh, and then obviously you have to work so if you know if you're doing a if you're doing a work exchange there could be some wonderful event in that town and a great music festival something that you wanted to go to but you know the way your work is it may not be possible or maybe impractical to get there with transportation or whatever so you got to think about these things and you can't really you can only have really have so much in terms of expectations from your hosts it's usually the expectations are on you uh, because usually you're getting the better end of the deal uh, but although not always um, and the other thing very important failure can leave you stranded this is if, if something goes wrong you know if you show up and uh you know, it turns out to be an exploitative relationship or you, you don't feel safe, you know, somebody's harassing you or, or whatever, any number of things where you just, it's just not going to work. Um, you know, maybe there's no public transport and you thought there was. And, um, you know, any number of things can, can so that's why it's, um, it's important to have a safety net, um, which I'll talk about in a minute. I just want to mention real quick, I'm not going to dwell on this, but um, if you're, if you like to travel by car, then... Uh, the van life is something to consider. There are a lot of people now, especially as housing costs soar, there are a lot of people that are taking to vans. And uh, the benefit is that you can um, you can build it out however you like it. You can sleep and cook almost anywhere. And it's usually going to be less expensive than hostels even. Um, you get a lot of flexibility. Obviously, you get maintenance issues. And it's a thing that you own somewhere. You have to park and leave it somewhere. And the parking can be can be sometimes a challenge especially if you're going to be if you want to go on like a multi-day hike then now you have this thing to worry about um, and you need to figure out how where you're going to get a shower and uh, what your internet situation is especially if you're going to be working um, these are things there's a whole culture around van life if you just search for that uh, for van life or hashtag van life you can all kinds of youtube videos you can find out all about that so i'm not going to dwell on it but it, it may be a good option for you especially if you're in like the u.s or the european union where you can travel long distances and see a lot of places without having a, um, you know, in your driver's license or work, and you can, um, you know, you can just move around. You don't have to worry about like a, you know, like getting on a boat or something because you don't want to do that. Um, having a safety net. This is extremely, extremely important. I, I see a lot. I meet a lot of people on the road who uh, are, you know, traveling with like a hundred dollars to their name, and I mean, some people they really don't have a choice. You know, maybe you got screwed out of housing and somebody stole some money for you or whatever happened and you're in a situation where you're just like okay well i got nothing here like either i'm going to go downtown and sleep in a tent or i'm going to hit the road you know and and in a situation like that maybe hitting the road is, is for the best because you actually see the world you meet some people and then maybe you'll come up to a place where you can, you can get a job and that sort of stuff but uh, but generally for, for the vast majority of people i don't recommend that because you never know when things can go wrong on the road. And especially when we talk about accommodations, you really need to budget for unplanned housing and transportation needs. So if, you, if you're planning a camp somewhere and like you miss a bus and maybe you need to get a place to stay and the only option is a hotel uh, or you get sick or weather, I mentioned hotels in particular in this case. And this is a, you know, a big thing is it's gonna be hotels, but there's other stuff too that can go wrong. Uh, you need to budget for that. You need to have a little bit in your budget so that you're, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your $30 a day or whatever. It could be additional or whatever. You have to have money that ident that you have available to use if something goes wrong. Um, you want to use judgment, good judgment on housing. You know, if you feel like it may be unsafe. Uh, I'm not an expert in this area. Um, and I've never really felt like my safety was in jeopardy uh, in any serious way. But it's something to uh, it's something to think about and maybe read up on just uh, not to not to be super worried about uh, you know and be afraid all the time. But I think a lot of people who travel they tend to glorify it. 
talk about all the wonderful things and oh it's super safe and all that and yes it is generally if you go to safe places but you have to also think about this anything can happen anywhere uh, you want to meet people in public places if you're going for business or if you're into dating or whatever like you want to meet people in public places just common sense safety precautions that you would take at home and uh, you know if you're traveling around the city, you know you're walking around a new city or something maybe uh, maybe go uh, up with a partner you know somebody you met at a hostel or um, you know, you just had a conversation for an hour the night before about politics, and you think this person is reasonably trustworthy. You know, don't uh, don't give them your, uh, your your wallet and your passport, but you know, maybe if you want to go tour together, it makes you feel a little safer. Uh, you know, go for that. Not that you have to do that, but that's a that's an idea. Um, and back to the budgeting, um, prioritize an emergency fund in your savings. So this can be this can vary a lot. Some people you know feel comfortable with a few hundred dollars. You know, some people want to be okay for six months in their home country or an expensive place if, if they need to sustain themselves. You know, that number is going to be is going to be based on your comfort level. But um, some things that can go wrong, um, you, you don't get a job like you think you, you might. And so you, you know, you need to, but you don't want, you don't want to, you know, go, go back home right away. Um, if you have a medical issue, you may need to go back to your home country or, um, or just pay for medical care. Um, you certainly should have travel medical insurance. It's not that expensive and it's a good idea to have it. But medical care is cheap in most of the country. So, you know, maybe you just elect to have savings instead, but like either way you're gonna need that that may be an issue. Um, it could be a visa problems. If you uh, go to you know, if you're trying to cross the border into another country and they don't let you in and you only have two days left in the, the country that you came from, uh, you gotta, you know, think about how you're gonna get out of there. Um, and you know, think about this a little bit in advance, and you need a little bit. Of, might need a little bit of money to to have. You may also, in a lot of places, you uh, you know, it's very common to bribe the border guards. You know, you give them twenty dollars or fifty dollars or whatever, and they let you in. I don't know whatever the amount is, but I, I hear this a lot. I, have, I haven't done it myself. Um, obviously, if a war breaks out, you got to get the hell out of there. Any, any number of things can go wrong. If you lose your passport, if you lose your wallet, you know, any number of things can go wrong. Some sort of problem with your family at home. Um, I know that. If, you know, somebody, if, if one, a you know, good friend calls me and, and needs something, you know, if they need me to come back, like I can get on a plane and go back and I don't have to, I don't have to ask them for the money. And it's, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable because, you know, anything going, I often say that there's a, there's not a, there's no problem on the road that money can't solve. And it's not entirely true. You know, if you can't get clean water, then, you know, maybe money can't solve that problem. But uh, in general, um, you know, if you get sick, you can get a hotel. If you don't feel safe, you can get out of there. Uh, if you don't have, you know, if you only have twenty dollars, you know, in your wallet and no no cards to use, then you you know, you're going to be at the mercy of whatever happens, and it may work out fine. But you know, you're not going to feel super comfortable because you're always going to be worried that something might go wrong. Um, and like I said, have a plan. Yeah, so have a plan if it doesn't work out. Uh, if you get to a hotel, I've I've a few times showed up to a hotel or an Airbnb and. It didn't exist, and you know, I, one time I, that happened to me in uh, in Italy, and I wound up walking for like five miles. Um, if I had thought this out a little bit, I probably could have, you know, figured out how to get a taxi or whatever. Um, and uh, same thing happened to me in uh, San Jose. I showed up to a, it was actually an Airbnb in uh, San Jose, California, one of the most expensive places in the United States. I showed up in, uh, yeah, in San Jose, and I get there it was like five p.m. and I. Uh, it turns out this place didn't exist. I hadn't really done my due diligence. It had a review or two, but I, I hadn't really looked at, into it much. Um, it seemed fine when I booked it. And uh, so I called the Airbnb and they had me on hold forever. Then when I talk about shady company, I mean, this is, they, they were really terrible. And, uh, you know, and then they eventually said, well, we got to give the host 24 hours to respond. And then, you know, and after that, you know, we'll give you, uh, we'll give you a hundred dollar credit. It's like, well, $100 credit is this is one of the most expensive places in the country. And like, if I got to get a hotel, it's going to cost me $200. So, you know, this kind of stuff just, you know, again, if you, it wound up being okay because I had a little extra, I had extra money and because I, I don't travel broke. And so it, it wound up being okay. But uh, Airbnb definitely screwed me on that one. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff can happen. If you miss a bus, this is a common thing. If you miss a bus, it's, you know, it might be that the next one's the following day or the next one doesn't have any seats. Um, so you might need a you know hotel or go somewhere go to a different location, uh, you know if it's, like I said if you feel unsafe if you need to evacuate the country because of a war or something, uh, you need to you need to know just what you're gonna do, 
um, like I said, with the visa situation, you're like, okay, I can get this. If it doesn't, if I don't get across, well, I can get this bus at six o'clock and take me to this Hendra city. I can go to the airport and I can get it's a 10 PM flight to the next country, you know, something like that. Give you an idea. Um, and finally, uh, know who you can call for help. I touched on this a little bit a minute ago. Um, but if, uh, you know, if you need help, you should have probably friends. Most people have friends and family that, uh, you know, you can call. And I know I have several friends who, if I called them and was like, hey, I, you know, just had all my stuff stolen. I'm in bad shape. Like, I need to come home. And they would be on the phone calling for making a flight reservation and we could deal with the money later. You know, that kind of stuff. So just make sure you you just know. Like, not that you need that necessarily most of the time, but it's it's good to have that. And, and your embassy or consulate from your country can often be a good resource. But they may be in a different country. So that's something to think about. Um so yeah, safety net. Um, just, just just use good judgment. Most of the stuff you're never going to need, but but things will go wrong on the road. And a lot of people don't like to talk about. A lot of travelers don't like to talk about it because they feel like it's going to put people away from travel. Um, I don't feel that way. I feel like you know people, you do what you want and what you think is right. If you want to travel, you're going to travel. You know, I hear that a lot. Oh, I'd love to travel. It's like, well, you know, if you don't actually put your mind to it and try to do it, you're going to be working the same office job for 20 years. I, I know it, but. If you actually, if you actually want to do it, you know you'll you'll overcome these issues. You just it just helps to know about these things in advance. So I hope that was helpful. That was a really long episode. I didn't mean to talk for an hour, but I uh, hope that was helpful. Uh, let me know what you think. Feedback at criticaltransit.com or just go on the website and uh, you know drop me a note there or write a comment on the post. All that good stuff. I'm not really on social media these days, so the easiest way is just to. Um, like I said, email me or you can uh, use the contact form on the website where if you submit a comment on this post, uh, I will see it. Uh, lots more episodes to come. I'm hoping to have a lot more good content to bring you. Take care and travel well.